and welcome to Cancre, a home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I am Sebastian. First of all, in some employment-based news. Ooh! All right. Also, I will be moving to, um, broadly moving to Toronto to take over as the station manager at CIUT-FM, the University of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And you very well may be moving to Montreal starting oh, yes. in June. So uh, for all of us, all three of well, for both of us at least, um, it's going to be, we'll make it work. I am still throwing out stuff. I'm just, I, I want to move as little as possible, which means throwing away all the garbage I did not need to keep. I actually, as I was digging through my stuff, I found homework from high school. Did you that hand it, it in? Yes. Yes. It had a grade on it and everything. Okay. Okay. Just looking at it thinking like, wow, oh, did I keep this all this time? It was just buried under other stuff. And I didn't disturb the stuff on top because it was important. So I just never dug to the bottom of that particular box. And I'm doing that now. Well, let's start off. Um, for Canadian listeners, we have seen that uh, big news that everyone has been following is the push for the apology by the Pope for the residential schools. But one of the pieces of the conversation that I think kind of got missed a little bit, and we're only going to really touch on it here, mm-hmm. is um, there was an ask from... Uh, the director of the Two-Spirited People of uh, Manitoba, who I believe is also involved with the... The CBC did a fantastic interview with Albert McLeod about this, essentially calling for the Pope uh, and the papacy as a whole to also apologize for the harm done to Two-Spirit folks Mm -hmm. um, going into the residential school system and uh, LGBTQ folks uh, that also went there. Because... Among the many, many crimes that had been mm-hmm. committed at these residential schools and the sort of imposition of this foreign culture by the, the Catholic school system included imposing this sort of rigid gender duality of male and female, regardless of indigenous gender identities and, mm-hmm. and the two-spirit identity. And heaven forbid anybody identify as homosexual in a in a residential school I can't imagine that going over particularly well so there's a lot to be answered for but I do wonder you know we've seen this spoken about a little bit here and there about the legacy impact of that the sort of um, and the consequences that that has had on generations of indigenous folks ever since then Um, certainly worth an apology I would think my first instinct is uh, I think I think the Canadian government is more to blame than papacy is but the canadian government is already making well they're they're starting to try to make amends i'm not going to even hope to dream to claim to think to suspect that they've even started making amends but they've they've started down that path anyway so yeah no the the papacy has a lot to apologize for uh, around the world in canada ireland south america has a few whoopsies that have happened in their history so uh, this is this is kind of overdue in general and i I kind of like that they're they're zeroing in on uh, the papacy as well because I, I see a lot of people complaining about Christianity like as an umbrella and I'm like the Quakers did nothing like leave them out of this like you know target target the people who need to be targeted you know and and it is definitely the, the bureaucratic nightmare that is the upper echelons of the Catholic Church and I don't 
they don't really apologize for much? Well, I believe that at time of recording, the Pope did make uh, an apology of sorts to the indigenous delegates that were gathered in the Vatican to meet mm-hmm. with him. So that did happen. But I mean, you, you definitely raise a point that people kind of smear um, this history with the broad Christian brush. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and the buck stops at the Pope. Uh, the only oh, yeah. one, the only one above him uh, and the Catholic doctrine is God Himself. So you know, it's. Uh... I think historically, though, there's kind of a, a Rasputin kind of a situation, for lack of a better term, where quite often the Pope just didn't know because the cardinals immediately below him just kind of hid a lot of the the details. Like the the number of times where historic popes found out about something that the Church was doing and they genuinely did not know. But that also is a, a leadership issue in that the cardinals could get away with doing that. And that that's also kind of like a rot at the core of the organization. You know, the, the CEO who doesn't know how corrupt their company is because the board keeps secrets from them. That is a that doesn't mean that they're innocent. It just means that they're guilty of a different crime, which is not paying closer attention. But it is good that a lot of it's coming to light now. Uh, how much has been kept from the public, how much has been kept from the church itself, like the number of of Catholic priests who didn't know the extent to which a lot of the stuff was happening. Some of them, like they heard rumors, but they didn't know details because they didn't run their, their parish that way. And then later on, they find out details, they read it in the paper, and some of them are incredulous, and some of them are ashamed or whatever. So it, it's kind of a long process as more details come out, just how extensive a lot of this is. All right, let's move on to something. And that is the Hamilton police. Um, They issued a bit of an update on where things are at right now. And uh, broadly speaking, according to a report, they have accomplished, um, you know, a whole bunch, um, I believe more than half of the official recommendations made for how Hamilton police are supposed to improve. There are some of them that they can't get to right now. A whole bunch of them relate to the next in-person pride parade. So very quickly for our listeners who may not be familiar, in Hamilton, uh, a number of counter pride protesters Mm -hmm. um, who had been belligerently interrupting pride uh, events all over the country, um, showed up in Hamilton to agitate against those gathered uh, for the community pride event. Um, and the police response was absolutely woeful. Yeah. One of the reasons they come up with is, well, we weren't particularly invited. And it turns out there was one woman who was like the linchpin for all of that entire relationship. And she went on vacation. So the whole thing fell apart. It mm-hmm. was it was a mess. And yeah. it read, led to uh, the nutter with the hands. Um, bike helmet. The bike helmet, the psychopath yeah. with a bike helmet, smashing people's faces in. Mm-hmm. Um, people who had just gone to go have a good time. And mm-hmm. he went to cause some rampant destruction. So the Hamilton police rightly were raked over the coals. They first of all blamed queer anarchists, which is the opposite of mm-hmm. who was to blame. Yeah. And Hamilton police have been working very di- diligently over the past year to try and achieve those recommendations. They've released a survey and they're looking at creating an advisory panel or a task force to really help to rebuild that relationship between the community and uh, the public. Mm-hmm. So getting a sense of sort of the community and the police. So getting a sense of what people want that panel to look like and, and who should be on it and what 
qualifications those folks should have mm-hmm. is a really key step in being able to move forward. The I remember as as reports came out because there's a few reports. There's like a preliminary report. There's a full report, and there's like a report on the public reaction. There, there's a whole bunch of them, but one of the the uh, the biggest one of the three kind of indicated that a lot of it really just came down to incompetence. It wasn't like outward, uh, I, I should say outright institutional homophobia. It was more like, oh, there's going to be homophobes there. Oh, someone should do something about it. Well, but I'm in a different department, so you could do that. And it was just an issue of like everybody knew something should probably be done about it. But then they just kind of didn't get around to it because, as you say, the one lady whose job it was went on vacation. She forgot to say, you know, oh, by the way, could you deal with that for me, please? And it was just weird incompetence. Um, So this is not a huge problem to fix. This is not something extensive. And, you know, it's not going to take decades. Like, quite frankly, Toronto is going to take decades to to clean up their reputation and to fix some of their procedures. So the fact that this is moving along well does not surprise me because they didn't have as many problems. And they did acknowledge um, to some degree, uh, they didn't agree with everything, which is also telling, but they did agree that, you know, that something had happened along the way and it was not ideal and, you know, that they could fix their system so this kind of thing doesn't happen. So they already, they started off with the biggest step, which is acknowledging that they had a problem, even if they if you live in the Hamilton area or you know somebody who does live in the Hamilton area, um, go and find the survey. I think Hamilton Police, it should be easy to navigate to. Um, they are looking for suggestions on names for this advisory panel mm-hmm. and as well as a LGBTQ community facilitator, someone who can be a bit more hands-on, a bit more uh, hours available to help on these more difficult and uh, less easy to attain recommendations that have been made for how to improve that relationship. Mm-hmm. But I will acknowledge that Hamilton Police have made significant strides no, for sure. in, in addressing those issues that came before. Now, speaking of churches and the police, um, there was an interesting situation that has come up in Calgary where the Scarborough United Church, just off of Scarborough and Avenue Southwest in Calgary, um, found their pride flag um, was damaged and the word repent scrawled across it in a big black marker. Um, so those who are, you know, just looking forward to a nice day at church uh, last Sunday um, were met by quite a, you know, it, it's a it's a disgusting thing to to walk up to when you're trying to go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Calgary police are investigating it. I believe they're investigating it as a potential hate crime, um, as it is a crime against the property, motivated in heart uh, by by hate. Um, yeah, the Scarborough United Church has had an affirming status for about twelve years. And uh, the whole community there is a bit shaken up by this. Um, So yeah, so there's a lot going on in Calgary at the moment. All right, let's jump to our first track. This is Missing Me, uh, Corey uh, LaRue remix uh, by Matthew V. And we will be back just after this.
Welcome to Cancrea, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And uh, sticking to policing, apparently today, uh, there was a, a bit of an incident in Nanaimo. I believe that CHLY uh, Chile Radio uh, does carry our show. So we do have listeners in Nanaimo. Spencer Frey uh, was, is a university at the University of the Vancouver Island. Um, so I believe is the, the campus in Nanaimo. Mm-hmm. Um, went to a student house party. A um, bunch of young men there that uh, that, that Stephen didn't know, and uh, you know some homophobic remarks. Somebody uh, you know smacked his behind or grabbed his behind, mm-hmm. um, and then someone accused him of staring at him before promptly punching him in the face mm-hmm. in, a, in a blatant homophobic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nanaimo RCMP have somebody, they surrendered themselves to the RCMP in Nanaimo and are expected to appear in court on May 24th. We don't know who they are. They may be uh, a minor, but uh, it may just be not revealed yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a name for this kind of incident as well. It just, it hasn't come up in a while. So when was the last time you heard the term gay panic? Yeah, I mean, I mean, gay panic is was for a long time a, a sort of legal defense where assault and even up to murder is mm. forgivable because, you know, how could we hold somebody accountable when they freaked out? Yeah, that somebody might potentially be attracted to them from the same sex. Informally a defense. It wasn't the kind of thing that was on the no. books. In many U.S. <laughs> states, it has been a legal defense, the gay panic defense, until... You know, within the last five, 10 years, I think some of the last states finally lost that defense. Mm-hmm. But in many countries in the world, it still is a legal defense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but in Canadian common law, I'm saying. There, oh, yes, no, in like, Canada, absolutely <laughs> not, absolutely But not. it was something that judges would accept. You know, Your Honor, I I glassed him with my pint because uh, he was... He winked at me. He winked at me, and, yeah. And my, 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 my straightness was so flimsy and, and, and fragile that uh, this man winking at me Put me over the edge, uh, Your Honor. I, I mean, mean I, yeah. I watch a lot of 80s movies. I mean, it, it's that was not to forgive it, not to say that it was okay, but that was the culture of a past era, for sure. But the, the gay yeah. panic defense is just a codification of that uh, sort of extreme visceral reaction that happens to people who think their masculinity is being undermined. Mm. Um and I, the reason why I wanted to bring up to the, that today in today's show, you know, I think it's relatively self-contained. The the RCMP and the Nine are investigating it. I believe, uh, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Frey is now with his mother and and hopefully, you know, going to go back to studying soon enough. Uh-huh. But campuses and cities bring folks from all over the country. Uh-huh. And I believe it is a very reasonable expectation to assume a degree of safety in any community in Canada. Um, but I just, I don't know, maybe it's just my age and I'm only in my 30s here. Uh-huh. But I don't know if I could even always assume that somewhere is going to be safe. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tricky here. It's a very tricky line here, Sebastian. Uh-huh. Because if this was... A straight person, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. But if you're oh, accused of looking a little too long at somebody as a as an openly gay man, mm-hmm. that comes with its own risks. And I think for a long time we forgot about those risks whilst everybody was locked up at home for the pandemic. You know, is is it dangerous to be openly gay these days? It is. I mean, the the numbers show that it is safer now than ever before, for sure. But uh, I think the question is, is it completely safe? And I don't think it is. Um, And I don't know if it ever will be, just because, I mean, there are so many varied opinions out there. And not only that, but um, when you're looking at violence between young men, because the largest category in terms of people uh, doing violence and having violence done upon them is young men aged 18 to 25 and it doesn't matter what country you look at what demographic study you look at it's always that group and quite often the kind of people who do the violence they're just looking for an excuse they just feel like violence it is it it is in their blood they're in the mood they've had a couple drinks they feel like having a a rough up and if it's not because you're gay it's because you're tall or because you're wearing glasses or because they don't like your shirt like there are I've met people like this too, who are just inherently violent and looking for an excuse. So from that perspective, I don't think it's ever gonna go away because there's always gonna be people who have these instincts and who haven't put in the work to get it under control. Um, Whether it's gonna be like a a broad systemic issue, the fact that the, the RCMP did react, the fact that the courts care and the fact that people were supportive, I think this is, if anything else, it's a good sign that even if it never does go away, um, at least the impact of it will be reduced down to minimal. That it, it won't be, mm. it's not acceptable anymore, for one. Like, gay panic is no longer an acceptable offense. Yeah, it's, it's abhorrent. It's, yeah, it's completely unacceptable. I do think that 
you know, I've been to Nanaimo. It's beautiful, beautiful part of uh, Canada. Yeah. Um, weirdly enough, the worst Nanaimo bars I've ever had in my life was in Nanaimo. Mm. It was like uh, it was like this quite a, a sort of a, a trendy looking cafe. Mm-hmm. And I think it was vegan. Okay. And that is why it was not very good. Or it was just a not very good vegan Nanaimo bar. No, no, Nanaimo bars terrible. need full fat. It, it is a fatty, fatty bar. And if it doesn't have full fat, it's just not going to do it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awful. Um, but that aside, there yeah. are amazing people working and living in Nanaimo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really hope that Spencer and other young queer folks who are going to house parties mm-hmm. Go and have fun. I don't want people to feel like they need to have their backs up. They need to be hyper alert at all times. You know, we're not living in uh, in the 90s anymore or the yeah. 80s where, where that was the case or even further back in history. Um, but I do think people need to be smart and, and oh, yeah. self-aware of the spaces they're in. You know, this is something that uh, we've been teaching women, you know, young girls for, yeah. for many, many years. And I think gay men need to be self-aware of their surroundings as well the best way i've heard this explained is like you shouldn't have to live in fear but front doors have a lock for a reason so it's that basic you know you don't have to walk around in in full plate armor with a taser on you at all times but like don't walk down a dark alley you know don't don't do anything foolish don't do don't go to places where you don't feel safe uh, I think what happened to this particular young man was kind of, a, I don't want to call it a random incident, but like an unexpected incident. I don't think mm. there's any way you could have predicted that this could have happened to you because most house parties, uh, especially in and around university campuses, are kind of safer spaces than most clubs are. Like you're less likely to have something happen to you there than you would in a bar. So I, I don't think there's anything he could have done differently. I don't think uh, in any way this this is on him. I think this is on the attacker. This is, you know, that that individual needs to talk to somebody uh, maybe once every other week for the next three years. Um, so uh, I, I completely agree with you. You know, you shouldn't live in fear, but, um, you know, always make sure that you're not the drunkest person in the room as well so that you have your wits about you enough to, you know, step out of the way of something before it happens. It's Mm -hmm. unfortunately, I mean, this is, you know, even if you take the homophobia out of the story, this is just, you know, you do need to unfortunately clock your sex, especially when, when there's drinking involved and. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been to many houses. We have hosted many house parties. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, people's behavior get a bit loose when there's alcohol involved, you know, mm-hmm. innovations uh, are checked at the door with your coat. Mm-hmm. And um, that needs to be managed in, in, a, yeah. in a way. And, and yeah, I, I just, I find myself frustrated that we are now in 2022 mm. and I'm trying to tell people to, like you said, watch their six. Mm-hmm. Um, that is frustrating that in Canada we have to that that has to be a conversation that gay men have with other gay men. But I would also add, I like the fact that this is newsworthy, that this is mm-hmm. not a weekly event. Yeah. You know, yeah. if some gay guy got punched in the face when I was at university, that would uh I don't think that would make the school newspaper, let alone uh, the CBC. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. This is yeah. great news in that it is news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh that the community finds it so unacceptable 
um, that it is there. Now, something that has been found unacceptable, and I think I was a bit on the fence about uh, this next story, which was a anonymous victim reached out to the Birmingham Mail. Birmingham M-A-I-L. Yes, Birmingham, UK. Okay. Uh, mailers in delivery service. And uh, I've seen this story copied out across droves of papers and uh, online news sources. And it relates to domestic violence in a gay relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why, I think related to the toss-up between pakoras versus uh, veggie fingers, which is just like a vegetarian fish finger, I suppose. Okay. Um, you know, and it, it's benign. The reason is benign. And the reason why it has gained so much attention is that in this couple, the um, the victim or the, the individual who was abused um, had his penis yanked and he was, I believe, beaten. And then the doctors treated him for a torn penis. Mm. And that's the piece that has got everyone's attention. Mm-hmm. You know, man sent to doctorable doctors with torn penis. Um, but the real story here is domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And that in gay relationships, it is extremely violent. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we can see when we're looking at different patterns of behavior is men are violent against women, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. you know, in domestic violence cases, domestic abuse, um, you know, men have killed many, many, many women, you mm-hmm. know, all across Canada. Um, but when we measure how violent that relationship is on average, and then we look at a gay male same-sex relationship for some reason that's yeah. that much more violent, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And uh, you may end up in the ER, but uh, in, in gay same-sex relationships, you're just as likely to end up in the morgue. Um, because they are deadly when 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 it gets uh, when it gets... yeah the stats are kind of weird about that that there seems to be no gray area it's either verbally emotionally abusive or hospital worthy that yeah. there there's no slap them around a bit or if there is it happens for such a long period of time that by the time the outside world knows it is really 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 bad and. This is one of the, uh, actually, but when I worked with the police, uh, I remember going around to heads of different departments and saying, can I help you with anything? And the, the head of the uh, partner assault unit was very concerned because he said, uh, under certain models, which thankfully they don't really use in Ottawa, uh, men can't be victims and women can't be perpetrators. But then he deals with same-sex abuse all the time. And he's like, if we were under that model, we would not be able to help male victims of domestic assault and same-sex partners and we wouldn't be able to help female victims of domestic assault in same-sex female couples and there is this sort of growing interest uh and by interest i mean concern in looking into this in you know how has mental health and community health and community policing let down domestic assault in the lgbt community and um and actually interestingly enough um, bisexual women in opposite sex relationships actually have some of the highest rates in Canada, mm-hmm. um, which 
confuses a lot of people because a lot of these bisexual women don't necessarily out themselves to the partner as as being bisexual there's just some weird phenomena going on that nobody really understands and i wish i could give you a conclusion to this story i mean really it's grounded in bioerasia i mean it's grounded (laughs) in in the you know the 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 forceful disappearance of that identity Um, well it's also an issue of they don't know until they start collecting stats because a lot Mm -hmm. of these women they don't it doesn't occur to them like it's not i'm a bisexual woman who's being abused it is my partner is abusing me it doesn't matter what their identity is they just want it fixed or helped or stopped or something and it, it only comes up later on when, when people start doing like the general social survey or uh, maybe the police track them down and say, you know, we're, we're doing our annual stats. Can you answer some questions? And that's when that kind of thing comes out, which is very mysterious that there, there's no particular answer. Um, as for that guy in, uh, in, was it Birmingham? Yeah. I'm hoping people weren't laughing at it because well people... and that's what i find so frustrating is the headline is you know torn penis oh my mm. gosh and really the headline should be that this was a, an incredibly abusive relationship mm-hmm. um he was sentenced to a 12-month prison sentence that's um on uh, um deferred for 18 months whatever that phrase is mm-hmm. um i forget the um, suspended for 18 months. That's the word I'm looking for here. With obligatory year. anger management. Yeah, would you think hope. so? I would hope. Um, so there Actually, is that. But before, the UK is pretty good about that usually, doing before, that kind of thing. Before he was caught, uh, he had uh, set up fake grinder profiles to really reveal uh, intimate information about the victim oh, uh, yeah. in, in classic revenge porn. Um yeah, no, it's 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 horrific, and you're right. Britain does have a more advanced legal structure for addressing domestic violence and intimate partner violence than Canada mm-hmm. does. For example, Britain recognizes coercive control, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, I do not believe something that's in the Canadian Criminal Code yet. Um, but yeah, it's it's a serious issue. I think what these attention grabbing headlines give us is a moment to bring this conversation back to the forefront mm-hmm. that violence is unacceptable and mm-hmm. you know especially in, in, a, in an intimate relationship um, and that can include emotional abuse as well and and, and so on and, and if you find yourself in a situation like this we we you know, all we can do is encourage you to to reach out to to loved ones and and uh, organizations that can help you know abusers love to isolate mm-hmm. they love to make you think that you have no one to turn to because you, then you won't turn to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that couldn't be any further away from the truth than, than what it really is. So really hope that folks see the Spanish headline about the broken penis, um, but actually respond by, by being more self-aware of their own security and uh, their mm-hmm. own safety as well. All right, one of the reasons why we've gone with a bit of a Europop vibe is Soft Sal and the Pet Shop Boys have teamed up to make a new release. And no, we're not in 1986, no. um, but they do look like they are very much in from 1986. This is Purple Zone by Soft Cell and the Pet Shop Boys, and we will be back just after. Let's get out of this life I'm afraid and And I don't know how the show will end I'm 
Welcome back to Cancre, home of Canada's Queer Media Naming. My name is Nick Smith. I'm, I'm still Sebastian. Do you know what we haven't done yet today? What have we not done? Banter. Yeah, we've dived into... Actually, I have a, <laughs> I have a question for you. Because, okay, okay. Um, this did come up. We did have the uh, Reddit story on, on, on the list about oh, yeah. uh, gay club names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if you, I think you saw that same story as well, didn't you? About, uh... A lot of them were disappointed and quite a few of them like, I've heard, like, you know, the manhole in the back door, like, I've heard, well, to, to start, to start, uh, it basically uh, what passes as journalism on occasion is people just comb Reddit to see what's popular there and then they rehash it as a news story. Um, and and what, Karen... what passes as radio journalism <laughs> is then talking about it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, whatever. Um, but the uh, the story was basically they're they're coming uh, a Reddit conversation about funny names for gay bars, and what you know what would it uh, what would that list be or what what names could you call a, a funny a funny name for a gay bar? Some of them you know tops and bottoms. I don't know. I'm kind yeah, of the, the about pound, that the cockpit. Yeah, yeah, toppers, the wooden floor, mine shaft, the manhole. Yeah. You know, these are all. Yep pretty uh pretty on the nose i think that there's there is a um i i think there's such a great opportunity for pun you know you mm-hmm. look at drag names drag mm-hmm. names are fantastic you know? mm-hmm. although now they're all like so-and-so of the house the so-and-so and there's no humor really left in drag names mm-hmm. um which is frankly very disappointing um you know i don't i don't care if you're from the house of the michaels or not i want to know if you're if you're a funny name, like that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm that's what I'm here for. Um, like bag of chips. She's not from the house of the chips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a bag of chips. Um, but yeah, I do think that there's more opportunity to be funny. And you know, in Ottawa, we've been what, what was it, the pink flamingo was uh, briefly a nightclub in Ottawa. I think it was just called flamingos, but it had pictures of pink flamingos all over it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there's the lookout, which famously has a big old balcony that overlooks one of the busiest uh, clubbing districts in town. There's Swizzles, which is a karaoke bar. It's not really a, a gay bar. It's more like an everything goes bar. 
but it's mostly LGBTQ. Folks yeah, not very, there. not very funny names, not very good names. No. Yeah. So I used to work at a gay bar with a, I guess, kind of clever name. It was a, a reference. So the the bar was called M, just the letter M, uppercase letter M. It was called M. On stationery, they go M bar because if you just put M, it looks like you sneezed and accidentally hit enter. So it was M bar. And the whole time I was there, um, the owner refused to fess up as to what the name meant. And uh, on my way out, the, the day that I had, uh, I guess you could say retired from the place to, to move to Toronto to go to uh, grad school, pulled me aside. He told me the, the deep secret. The bar has been closed for a decade now. So, I mean, I'm not really spoiling anything. Uh, the name M came from, I believe it was the third studio album of Bette Midler, known as the Divine Miss M. <laughs> wow. And right? That was, that was the reference. I thought it was a reference to how uh, the head of British Secret Intelligence Services referred to themselves as nope. M for many years. But no, nope, that wasn't nope. Wow. When I, when I heard that it was a Bette Midler thing, I was like, oh my God, that's the gayest thing I have ever heard. I would call mine Project <laughs> Soap. I mean, it's just like on the nose, Project Soap. That's what I would call it. Mm. What about you? If you were opening a Canadian gay bar, what name would you give it? Um, well, I mean, it's, you see, it depends. Like it, if it's a regular bar, the kind of place where there's like, there's no drag queens, there's no stage, there's no uh, dartboard, there's no billiards. It's a regular bar that you go to, you sit at the bar and you hang out with your friends, like an after work, a daily place. Mm -hmm. uh, I would probably call it like, you know, some kind of queen's head, lion's tail, like animal part, animal kind of thing. Um, but you could also probably call it like the bear's head or something. I, I could, you're, you're putting me on the spot. I didn't think about this in advance, but you I didn't would, think of any of these in advance. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, it would, just... it would be something like that, like the lion's mane or the, you know, the, 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 what, uh, uh, owl and the pussycat. That's a pretty common one. There's a cat and a fiddle in Hamilton, that kind of thing. Um, there was a place called the, the pheasant plucker, uh, that a lot there of people, the pheasant plucker. Yes. That, that was a pretty clever name. Uh, or if it is like a more of a dance club gay bar where there are drag queens and live performances and DJs, I don't know, something a little bit more glittery. Uh, but I, again, I would have to think something a little bit more like the kind of thing you can imagine in like an 80s chrome font, you know? I see what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Sodium. I don't know. So something random like that. <laughs> would you, you, you could call it Sarkeesian's. Ooh, yes. A lot yes. of people. Oh, that is deep. Yes. That's a deep cut right there, Sarkeesians. Um, for those who are not gay men, um, Sherilyn Sarkeesian is, is Cher's full name. name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're making a glitzy bam uh, bar and call it Sarkeesians. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty clever name. Well done. All right. Well, moving swiftly on. Um Speaking of drag queens, there is a bit of a debate going on as to what do you do with sherry pie? Now, that's not a pie made out of sherry. It's a drag queen called Sherry Pie. Now, um, in one of the most recent seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race, season 12 in particular, Sherry Pie came out through the gates as one of the strongest competitors. Mm -hmm. However, it then became apparent that uh, the report surfaced that Sherry Pie had corresponded with at least eight um, up-and-coming actors pretending to be a talent agent and um, 
convinced them to submit photos and videos, sometimes sexual in nature, mm. which were only for Cheryl Pye's own gratification. Mm-hmm. A very sort of Epstein vibe in terms oh, of yes. what's happening there. You say that, and yet this kind of thing is common enough that there's a nickname for people like this. They're known as collectors. And yeah, it's... it was, it was, anyway, the point was Cheryl Pye faced quite severe consequences and uh, got blacklisted, mm-hmm. completely almost edited out of um, Drag Race entirely but has now re-entered um, social media. It's been about a year or two since all of this happened. Mm-hmm. And Sherry Pye has sort of dipped the toe back into social media. Um, and the question really is, you know, we've we canceled Sherry Pye effectively. This behavior was abhorrent. The mm-hmm. consequence is you're no longer invited to participate in all this cool stuff, events, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, when does that end? When does, when does, when does forgiveness enter the, the common, you know, lexicon? Yeah. Uh, before I hand it over to you, um, Ben Shimkus, who wrote an op-ed for Out, who was one of the people who was, uh, you know, hoodwinked by Sherry Pye here, says, uh, and I'll quote from Out, I'm not here to say that uh, Googly and Manelli should never work again. Redemption for Joey is possible, and I hope he finds it, and goes on to say. But Sherry Pye, the made-up drag persona that propelled him to national prominence, should not be uh, resuscitated. The producers of Drag Race did something right when they edited her out of the season's episode. So I get that. Essentially, this victim is saying, look, the individual... Yeah. Is there a path forward for them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're all human. We all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, that drag persona cashing in on it at this point, is that is that appropriate? I don't know, Sebastian. I thought you might have thoughts on this. So what do you think? I mean, one of the first things that jumps to mind is how about 10 years ago, somebody noticed, this is tangential, but kind of related. Somebody noticed that almost every single uh, 80s appearance of Harrison Ford uh, in almost all of his movies he sexually assaults a woman that was just his thing in the 80s in, um, in Blade Runner most of the Indiana Jones movies uh, there, there's accusations about Han Solo in uh, Empire Strikes Back that, that he was basically that's the role he filled but you've never heard anything about any of the women that he worked with they all said that he was a professional he showed up he did his thing he went home he didn't screw around which really means that it was the writers at the time. The fictional characters that he has portrayed have come under fire, but not him. And I think that this is definitely something interesting that they can unload the guilt of this. Um, what was what was the actual person's name? Schlesinger or something? Joey. Oh my gosh, Joey. 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 Let me get the last name here. Joey. <laughs> no, it's gonna. It's coming back. It's Joey Seminger, rather. Giggly. Okay. Amy, Amy. Gugliami okay, well, is a modern Googly, Googly Melly. There we go. Googly Melly him. Well, if okay, if if the well, I don't know because he did it, not the character. Like if if Sherry Pie exploited her fame in order to get stuff out of people, then in order to 
find forgiveness and move on, you would retire the character because any theme that that she acquired as a fictional character through these actions would be retired along with it. But he mm. did it. So I think the real issue is he needs to show uh, kind of remorse and he needs to be able to find forgiveness from people or at least at least indicate that he's not going to do it again, that he's learned his lesson and he knows that it's inappropriate. Um, because this is, you know, the, the, the kind of person who does something is more likely to be okay with doing it again. So like all the, the crime stats that show something ridiculous, like 95% of crime is done by 2% of criminals or, or something like that, that it's, it's mostly just repeat offenders. Um, he needs to somehow indicate that he will not be a repeat offender. And I don't know how to make that happen. Uh, there, there are people who found redemption in the past. I definitely think that the the sore spot of canceling someone or even just blacklisting someone is it doesn't give them the opportunity to find forgiveness and to move forward. And I think the fact that people are even questioning how will this be done, I think that's very important because that means this is different. This is not the fact that people are even interested in a way forward means that this is not a proper quote unquote cancel. This is different. Yeah. You know? And don't get me wrong, Sherry Pie, when they first kind of entered the scene was my favorite, my personal favorite from that cast before all the information about uh, Joey came to light. Right. Um, You know, very, very talented. And I don't know. It seems to me that over the last year or two, Sherry Price or Joey has made some kind of efforts to learn, do better, be Mm -hmm. better. Um, So, yeah, I think there should be some doors open. But I think that that will forever be a part of who Joey is. This this, yeah. this moment in time, yeah. those damaging decisions that he made against those other men, um, both him and those men will have to live with. But mm-hmm. does that mean that you know no opportunity should ever be made available again? I don't necessarily agree with that. I think as long as everywhere they go, folks gathered are aware so that they can make themselves safe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do think there should be a path for for redemption here. Um, so yeah, well, we'll see. I, you know, I do love me a redemption arc. Mm-hmm. I, uh, that's why I watch so many K dramas. You know, by episode sixteen, the villain is now, you know, the the hero's side piece. So yeah, these things these things do happen. Um, we are running out of time, but before we go, I wanted to mention that the convention on the elimination of all forms of discrimination against women, uh, CEDAW, mm-hmm. uh, which is a UN committee, has ruled mm-hmm. that a Sri Lankan ban on lesbian sex uh, was in breach of international human rights law. This Who is not the that? first time, literally the first time, that lesbian bans have been declared against international law by the uh. UN. Um, there's so many countries that ban homosexual behavior yeah. as defined as pretty much just two men. Um, yeah. And they just pretend that women possibly couldn't have independent sexual thought. So that's not, uh, you know, that doesn't make any sense to ban that. Um, but 34 countries 
do realize that lesbians exist mm -hmm. and have banned lesbian activity in one form or another. So this decision by uh, the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, CEDAW, a committee of the UN, to find the lesbian bans to be against international law is a pretty big deal yeah. for those 34 countries where those bans are still in place. Yeah, no, that's uh, one of the reasons why Canada ended the, the gay ban. Well, I mean, ostensibly ended it. This is the, this is a Tom conversation. Was that in discussion, um, a lot of the, the the police and government representatives were just like, we don't even, how do we track this down? How do we enforce this? Who do we enforce this with? You know, this is, yeah. it's, even though homophobia at the institutional level persisted for quite some time, I would even say to the early to mid 2000s, as early as the 80s they're like this is a waste of time like we could be tracking down murderers and you know people who sell drugs like this is this is a waste of resources this is whatever shrug it off so i mean the it, it's interesting when you find out that countries still believe that this is something worthy of their you know burning calories over um well there is one last story that I've seen, which I was quite pleasantly surprised by. Okay. The National Health Service in Britain, specifically across England, is changing their blood testing policies, their accident and emergencies, so the A&E, okay. where now you have to specifically opt out of HIV testing. Oh. Now, for our listening audience, you might be like, okay, that's a weird thing to be excited over. But, you know, there is, what is it, like one in four people who have HIV have no idea they have HIV. Yeah. And uh, one of the biggest drivers of new infections of HIV in Canada and the UK yeah, is yeah, simply yeah. not knowing that yeah, you yeah. have HIV. So if you uh, go in with, a, you know, you've cut your thumb cooking food. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you'd have to go to an A&E for that. Depends on how big the cut is, I suppose. But, you know. I actually know somebody who cut off the tip of their thumb. Anyway, but the whole point <laughs> is that uh, now that default is to test pretty much anyone and everyone with yeah. the hope that more people will know. And having that knowledge is so important, protecting your own sexual health yeah. and the sexual health that you are intimate uh, with people you're intimate with. It's also for the safety of the people who work in the hospital and other people in the waiting room. And when they're trying to get you bags of blood to replace you, I mean, they're, if they're going to be testing your blood for blood type anyway, you know. It, it's it's I think that they're there it's the the kind of dippy thing where you know one stripe and two stripe the what's the word I'm looking for when the they use antibodies dippy thing testing method for well, when uh, they use antibodies yeah and rapid then it changes color. testing yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah 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 so I mean it's it's pretty easy now I mean it, obviously it's a non-zero amount in terms of cost but it, if it makes it safer for the staff and for yourself uh, it's it's worth every penny. Absolutely. I yeah. think it's it might be worth something we discuss exploring in Canada, which has seen its own bit of a resurgence in new HIV infection rates. That's all we've got time for today. We are playing out with Claire Twiddy, New Devastation, the Arshucks remix. I've been Luke Smith. I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening.